and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I are set to preview the Central Division uh, as this is, what, the the 7th of October that we're recording this. 5-15, the Nashville Predators have just defeated the San Jose Sharks 4-1 in their first game, in the first game of the season, also the first game for those two teams. Um, So, yes, we're we're a, a tidbit behind, but I blame... I blame Europe. Yeah, I blame uh, Europe. It's it's Europe's <laughs> fault. Maybe it's no. You know what? Better yet, this is all Russia's fault. That's that's a better. They're they're the scapegoat. It's easy to blame them for things right now. So we'll we'll stick with that. Uh, the uh, yeah the I, I, it was a it was a fun game and it's fun to see those games in in Europe being played. Uh, but I, I only mention that because we do know that the Nashville Predators will win at least one game this year. So uh, that's, <laughs> it's it's now in the in the books. They did it. We, we did it, boys. We we, we took a we took a game. Um, I do like that when you go and you look at the standings now. The San Jose Sharks are in last place. You know, no, everyone else hasn't played a game, but the Sharks are in last place now. It's the seventh in the or eighth in the the Pacific. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, uh, the Central Division, Justin. Well, first off, how are you, Justin? <laughs> I am great, Mark. How was uh, how was your trip? Oh, it was great. You know, uh, Mackinac Island. If you've never been to Mackinac Island, it's uh, it's a pretty a pretty unique spot. I'll say. You know, if you if you like islands, it's nothing like any other island you've been to. Like, I've been to Hawaii and Ireland and Iceland. You know, these different uh, tropical kind of or like just you know n- n- international type of places. And then you go to Mackinac Island, and it's like somebody took uh, a 1920s movie and just dropped it onto this island. I think that that's a decent description of what it's like. And then there's just a lot of fudge. <laughs> a lot of fudge and no cars yes no cars no cars that's see that's what i'm saying is it's like 1920s you know you get a lot of horse, poop. horse and buggy <laughs> yep a lot of um and uh yeah we had we had a great time we we did this uh horse and carriage buggy tour thing um not something i would have normally done but my my mother-in-law can't walk super well so it was just easier uh to do it that way and my wife's pregnant so it's hard to ride a bike when you're you know, six months pregnant. Uh, at least that's what I hear. So we, we did the, <laughs> we did this uh, this thing, and they because I don't know nobody wanted to get off at certain points. The girl took us a different way, and we ended up on this really high spot in the island where you can see uh, kind of the whole harbor and 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 the bridge and all the, all this really cool views. And apparently, it's in the top one hundred views in National Geographic or something. So it was pretty cool. Uh, but I digress. Let's uh, let's jump into the Central Division. Uh, we, we've decided on this show. You know, we're just we're splitting it up. We're doing uh, four and four. We're gonna hit the Minnesota Wild, the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we do have to still talk about them, uh, and uh, the St. Louis Blues and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, so, Justin, it's your choice. Where do you want to start with the Central Division? Oh, at least those four uh, teams. You have to. You you can't. You can't go to the other team. You have to do one of those four. Let's start with the Winnipeg Jets because they were a team I predicted to you know go to the playoffs in this division, and they completely bummed me out last year. Yeah. And probably one of my favorite goaltenders in the league too. So let's let's dive. In. I I will say 
you know, if, if you haven't been listening to the show uh, for the past five seasons, um, is this our fifth season or sixth season? I forget. It's I was the fifth. Yeah, it's I the fifth. fifth. Yeah, it's the yeah. fifth. So uh, yeah, if you you haven't listened to the past four seasons, uh, you you would know. You know, at the beginning of our time together in 2017, uh, which hit the first season, that would have been uh, Hellebuck, really his first hurrah as a uh, as a really good goal. Like he had played the year before, he played 56 games, a 907 save percentage. The Jets weren't great that year, and he just looked okay. Uh, but Justin was a huge believer in Hellebuck. He was. T- you were talking about Hellebuck when he was like in at Michigan. UMass, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and he certainly panned out to be a, a great goaltender. That it was that year that they went to the conference finals, and uh, and he of course I, did he win the Vesna that year? I don't remember actually. That's a very he good did, question. W- did he win a Vesna or did he just get nominated for one? Um, I think he. I think he just got nominated for one, right? Yeah, I think you might be right. I'm about to Google this shit because it'll drive me nuts. Yeah, sorry. I, I, oh yeah, yeah. He won. Oh, he won in 1920. So he 1920. won it in the. He won it in the the year before COVID, right? Was that you the year? No, no, that was the COVID year. <laughs> that was the COVID year. Yeah. It sounded like you said 1920, like. Uh, Oh, Gosh, sorry. Yes, he won it in. He yes, he won it playing for the Ottawa Silver Seven in 1920. And now, beautiful. He has he has risen from the grave to come back and play goalie again. Uh, this this time with a lot more pads. A lot more. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, let's let's dive into this team. What what are your now after being severely disappointed? by them last year uh where do you stand with the winnipeg jets boy uh they are at a crossroads i will say um uh, you know this offseason they they obviously lose um you know cop he goes to the rangers during the deadline gets traded there um so they lose a, a big piece down the middle but um you know obviously they bring in pierre luc dubois hoping to make an impact at the center position uh, kind of struggles there, to be quite honest, to find his footing to start off. And, you know, they had Stasny who was in there. You know, they were both rotating on the wing and playing center. Uh, the lines just never seemed to really settle in all year long. You had Mark Shifley missing time, um, you know. But obviously this year you come in and first things, you know, first things first, Blake Wheeler's no longer the captain of this this Winnipeg Jets team. Stripped. So, Stripped yeah. of the captaincy, yeah. Right. New coach, new head coach. So now they Paul Maurice moves on. He's, you know <laughs> – it sounded like he was going to take a year off, but, uh, you know, Florida comes a calling and you don't say no to that team, I guess. Um, and that weather, I suppose, but, um, yeah, Rick bonus comes in. I'm not sure, you know, if he's going to be able to you know, really make the changes I think this team needs, but well, they're going to uh, definitely be better defensively. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or they'll die but, trying. <laughs> yeah. And you know, Pierre Luc Dubois really hasn't, come out and said you know he's he's committed you know i think this offseason they had so many interviews he mentioned something about montreal and it gets blown out of proportion uh they're expecting actually i think it was his agent yes that's right it It wasn't even him his agent just said yeah he wants to play in montreal right like what a dick move because it just (laughs) makes the guy like what's he gonna do he's 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 gonna have to sign flurry when his agent put out that picture of him with the the sword going through him and shit so well that was funny uh, and that, that was, was funny. true. 
And that's Mark Andre Fleury, who can he can do or say anything he wants because he's the nicest son of a bitch in the world. <laughs> Whereas Pierre Luc Dubois has only alienated himself in every place he's ever been. Right, uh, only. <laughs> um, which I guess at this point is only two places. But uh, yeah, Winnipeg. I mean, everything starts from there, right? Like, you, you have to ask, you know, what does taking the captaincy away from Blake Wheeler do? Because you you didn't trade away Blake Wheeler. Uh, you also haven't named a new captain. I don't know that they will. And I, the vibe that I got, this is, this is, a, like, this is so funny. Because what was it, like, three or four years ago, everyone was talking about how this leadership group in Winnipeg was like the standard. You're like, you know, oh, we're looking at the way that they're doing things and it's so good. There's accountability and things are going well. And like, and you know, and then they started losing and then all of a sudden everyone was a dick and Blake Wheeler, <laughs> like take away the captaincy because he's creating a hostile work environment. Like it just goes to show you that when you're winning, people, maybe people will put up with more, but also when you're winning, people go, oh, see, like, see the accountability's working. And then when you're losing, you go, oh, that, man, it's just so tough to be in this room because, you know, there's so much pressure and we're losing. And yeah, when you try to hold people accountable and you still lose, it does get very frustrating. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I don't know that Blake Wheeler having the captaincy stripped is going to change anything in terms of his leadership in the room or the vibe in the room or what or what have you the only thing it changes is he's not going to organize team parties anymore right oh. <laughs> i mean look it, it reminds me of when they stripped barlow of the captaincy and gave it to joe thornton right it was just like uh at least they gave know, it to someone well there's that part too yeah well i mean they had someone in place they could give it to right so now you're kind of looking for an identity but to me you know, removing a captain doesn't necessarily change anything as far as team attitude or, you know, it's like putting guys on notice, you know, that's pretty much all it is. It's like sending out a, a, an official memo that says, you know what, hey, uh, shit's going to happen at some point, just a heads up. Well, you you're kind of saying we don't see you as our, as as one of the core, maybe. Well, at 36, <laughs> he's, I mean, come on. He's, yeah, he's still he's, point per game player almost last year in a 60 points in 65 games. I mean, that's a 75 at least a 70 point season uh over the 82 game stretch i mean he he's no slouch it's not no, as if no, he was no. he's, he's just garbage guy. yeah he's still a quality player and i i think winnipeg you know is happy to keep him i mean you know i don't think anybody's taken his contract so um but you know the, the bigger question mark for me is you know you got mark shifley he's coming up on ufa status in you know two seasons so is he going to hang around pierre luc dubois right he's already said uh, well, you know, his agent said, you know, Montreal, and he's he hasn't formally committed to the team and hasn't signed an extension yet. So I think until he does so, you know, you look at this four group and say there could be, you know, a massive rebuild happening here pretty soon. I mean, luckily for them, they've got Kyle Connor on a tremendous looking, you know, almost Nathan McKinnon-esque deal of a, you know, contract right now. Yeah, for a guy uh, that, no, like, in his sleep scores 30 goals. Right. Almost had 50 goals last year. Just one of the more underrated goal scorers. No one ever talks about this guy, but he's just night in and night out, just just scores goals, right? Um, I mean, he's essentially, over the last three and a half seasons, been a point-per-game guy. Yeah. 
and uh, yeah, just really driving that that offense for for Winnipeg. And so, um, you know, I guess we'll see. You know how this this four group shakes up. I will say the one nice thing, positive you could you could put on this four group is, you know, yes, Kyle Connor signed, but you've got Cole Perfredi um, coming up this year, and you know, hopefully he's supposed to be. You know, I mean, at least in the eyes of many, he's one of the top picks for potential rookie of the year. Yeah, be able to contribute, Ellie. You're hoping for 30 to 40 points out of Perfetti for sure. Yeah, he, he's going to get, I mean, probably top six minutes without a doubt between, you know, I mean, you're probably going to have Connor and Ehlers up on that top line, but you could put, you know, Wheeler and, and Perfetti on that second line and, you know, swap out those centers however you feel like it. But Like, if, if you ignore what happened last year and you look at this team up and down, Really, I mean, the the forward group is not the problem. The for, I mean, this forward group is uh, in their top six. I mean, is there a team in the Central Division outside of Colorado who you go, oh, they're way better than than Winnipeg's top six? In my mind, no, like, yeah, they may not have the, they they almost they do have the superstar. They they've got Kyle Connor in their top six. So yeah. you've got your you know I'm kind of looking like Minnesota has Kaprizov. You know, I guess you'd say Kyle Connor's kind of their Kaprizov, but maybe not quite as impactful. Uh, but they have Wheeler, Connor, Shifley, Ehlers, Dubois. You know, five of their five of their top quote unquote top six players are all guys who have the potential to put up at least 60 points. Yeah, the only, I mean, really, besides Colorado, I think the only other team I might, uh, you know, take their top six over Winnipeg's might be St. Louis, right? But what I will say is, you know, given Thomas and Cairo's just recent surgeons, right, that's great for them, but uh, at least Winnipeg has established players, right? These sure. guys have been doing it for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, not that not that Ryan O'Reilly isn't established. No, 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 <laughs> no. I meant, I meant like Thomas and and Kyra, yeah. right? Those guys yeah. are just now finding their their next level. So, right. um, and and boy. you want to see them do it again and again. Whereas whereas in Winnipeg, these guys have done it multiple times. Uh, right. Exactly. Uh, something something just went wrong last year. But I think I think really the the place that we got to look is on that back end. Uh, the back end has been a mess since Dustin Bufflin randomly said, I would prefer to be fishing. And he just went and fished like <laughs> he, <laughs> he just left, right? Like he left right before the season was going to start and they've struggled ever since. And I like, they've never really been able to, to get it back that. And they lose Jacob Truba too. Uh, they did get Neil Pionk in that deal, who's formidable, but not quite as impactful as a Jacob Truba. Um, not going to put up the same kind of points that Truba can put up uh, in terms of actually scoring goals, too, where he's a goal-scoring threat. Uh, but their defense as a whole is maybe average, a little below average, uh, from what I can kind of decipher when I look at them and they're a little bit old on the older side so that uh, they just there's something missing with with this defense in my mind yeah I mean we look at a team that just played today the National Predators right and you you look and you have Ryan McDonough you have uh, you know Roman Yossi you have an established superstar on both your first and second lines now again um and it's you know, not I mean, knocking Josh Morrissey. I, no, I, no, no. I really no. I do mean, like Josh Morrissey, uh, but as a as a number two, 
Right. I think they're missing that true workhorse, that true all-around defenseman who can play, you know, contribute offensively because that's where the game's going, right? You look at, you know, the top teams in this league, they all have that superstar defenseman that can really produce, right? You look at, you know, the Lightning, they've got Victor Hedman, Nashville with Roman Yossi, uh, Colorado with Kale McCarr. I mean, you look up and down, you know, and even St. Louis. Dude, you know, even, you, even the Chicago Blackhawks have a <laughs> top Right, <defenseman. laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, really, that's that's the big key they're missing because then when you have a guy that can contribute at both ends of the ice and play those big 25, 24-minute games, you know, that brings balance to the rest of the lineup and guys are slotted in where they really should be instead of playing against, you know, matchups where maybe they're, they they fall short, right? Yeah, and that's, that's going to be Winnipeg's challenge, uh, and in particular Rick Bonus's challenge, is to figure out how this team plays a much more team defense type of game, which is what he's he thrived in in, in Dallas. Uh, they definitely, I mean, Dallas at times was tough to watch. The, the, the fortunate thing is that they, I think, have more goal scorers up front. Uh, so that, that'll help them. But can they get this team to play a, a team defensive game? Because, I mean, Blake Wheeler... Shifley, Ehlers, Dubois, these aren't guys that are known for their two-way play. And that is going to be the challenge. Like who who's going to step in and and kind of take that uh that those reins from Rick Bonus and say, "Yeah, I'm like I'm going to be your two-way center and and be responsible defensively." Uh which is in some respects the reason why on such a bad team that they were last year, that all these guys put up numbers. Like, you look at them and you're like, man, their top six, they were all killing it. Like, they all had a point per game almost. And yet they were pretty far out of the playoffs. Uh, what, they missed the playoffs by by eight points? Well, they were way out of it. Uh, and yet all their guys had were scoring a bunch of goals. So the goal scoring wasn't the problem, but maybe they were scoring those goals at the expense of... You know, taking too many chances and and hanging Connor Hellebuck out to dry, because I mean Hellebuck has it still looks good, but his numbers, uh, I mean, at a nine ten save percentage, and you're still letting in almost three goals a game. He's just getting lit up. There's well, yeah, way too problem. many shots on goal. Right, his his goals saved above expected were sixteen point seven. Eric Comrie, the backup who was there last year. 10.3 goals saved above, you know, expected. So these guys were were doing their job in net, right? It wasn't at any point their fault why they were losing games. You know, I mean, again, when you when you look at this team as far as goals for, goals against, they were at a, at, at a negative five goal differential, which, you know, especially when we look at that top six and say these guys were all almost at a point per game. Clearly, you know, you look at the defense giving up terrible chances and you can also say point the finger at this bottom six and say you know they're just not contributing either so um you know and a lot of that has to do with losing a guy like you know andrew cop when you don't you know have that kind of depth scoring down the middle it's just gonna it's gonna hurt you sure yeah yeah when yeah and, when when you consider who they lost and what they gained you it does make you wonder you know they didn't they didn't go out and acquire anybody of significance Sam uh, Gagne, that was it. <laughs> yeah, Sam Gagne, and, and we're not, you know, I'm not, I'm uh, not writing any books about Sam Gagne, other than the time that he had what eight points in one night. That was pretty fun in, right. in Edmonton. Uh, oh, those days. But 
really do we see this team being any better than they were last year? An 89-point team uh, in a really good division. I I mean, yeah, they're, they were four wins away. You know, like four wins flip and... Yeah, they they probably could be in the playoffs and 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 have beaten out Nashville. Um, those four wins, I don't you know when you look up and down this division and even the conference, you know this this whole conference has gotten better over the off season. And I can't say that the Jets are a better team today than they were at the end of the year, or or I'll say before the trade deadline because losing Cop and. You know that that hurts obviously, and and they haven't really replaced them. No, no, I agree. And uh, you know, as far as my my ceiling and and floor is concerned with this team, right? I I look at it, you know, all the teams in this division, all the teams in this conference as a whole, and you know, I I think you know the teams that finish one through five above them, I could make an argument and say, you know, maybe outside of losing Kadri in Colorado, they all probably improved um, or are going to look. Yeah, Colorado a little bit probably about stayed the same. If, right. Is that at, at which that's they're still the best team in the league <laughs> by staying the same and losing an 85 point player. Uh, somehow they they didn't get really much worse. Uh, although I will say their goaltending in my mind did take a hit. Uh, yeah, I don't know I how agree. important it will be because it's not as if Kemper was a world beater in the playoffs. But right. uh, I think that Colorado is beatable now. Whereas last season it seemed like there, no no one's going to beat this team. <coughs> Although I might, did I pick Tampa Bay to win that series? I think I might have. Uh, I did. <laughs> I think I might have because I think I finally was like, man, I can't pick against this team anymore. Right. They're just torching me all the time. And then I pick them and then they lose. Uh, okay, so the Winnipeg Jets. I'll give you my my floor and ceiling, and just in case you haven't been uh, listening to all our previews we've been doing a, a floor and a ceiling uh the floor is kind of where we see this team assuming that the whole thing doesn't blow up tons of injuries yada yada uh kind of where we see this team at the bottom and then the obviously the ceiling is you know a great season uh everything goes well i would say i'm going to give you a great example of a ceiling season for a team the nashville predators last year that was a ceiling season for the Nashville Predators. It's not not taking not knocking them, not saying anything bad about them, but how many of their players last year had either career years or a complete resurgence to to coming back to this place where oh, Matt Duchesne, yeah, he's a number 1, he's a number 1 center now. All right. And Philip Forsberg had a, a lights out year and Ryan Johansson is back to his old self. Like this team had a fantastic year. Everyone played at their their heights. Uh, it reminds me of Calgary uh, when Giordano won the won the Norris. Everyone had career years uh, up to that point for the Calgary Flames, and they ended up losing in the first round. But they they had a really a ceiling type of year. And uh, where I see the ceiling for the Winnipeg Jets, I think that they could be a playoff team. I think that. Rick Bonus can come in and help them to have a Nashville-esque type of year where they they figure out the defensive side of the game. They Cole Perfetti is a 50-point guy, and their top six is the best in this division. And their defense is good enough, and Connor Hellebuck has yet another, you know, 
a 9-10, maybe better save percentage year where he looks like a potential Vesna Trophy winner again. And uh, and if they are able to do that, then you know Winnipeg's probably in the playoffs. Uh, their floor to me is if things really st- like don't change and we see a very similar Winnipeg team, um, frustrations boil over and you're hearing Blake Wheeler's on the on the trade trading block. Mark Shifley maybe will try to deal him, you know, and they start talking about moving some someone, at least one player in that top six to quote shake the room up kind of thing. Uh, if we start to hear that, then that probably means that this team has finished right where they finished last year, but maybe a few fewer points. Um, right in that 85, 80 to 85 mark. Uh, they're not going to be as bad as Chicago or Arizona. There's just no way. Uh, but I'd say sixth place is probably the the basement for me. Or the the floor. Sorry. Okay. We don't need to get into the basement. Uh. Nobody wants to be in the basement. That's where I record this podcast is in the basement. So, um, Okay. Where do you want to go next? Well, I got to give you my floor and ceiling here. Oh, my I, ceiling and you yeah. said the words, and in my I brain, said the words in my brain. You did it already. Uh, <laughs> no, okay, I'll make it quick. So, as far as ceiling is concerned for this team, to me, they're missing the playoffs. I don't think there's any way they get in. New coach, new system. I I just think they, you know, I I think again the teams above them, one through five in this division, I think are just better than them all around. And I think you know even Nashville, I think they're still going to be successful. And you know, probably even a little bit better. Uh, yeah, they're the best team in the league, and uh, you know, they uh, they got the yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm they gonna are there. they are on pace to uh, win the president's trophy right now. They are. They really are. Um, yeah. So for me, I think this is a team that, as far as ceiling is concerned, misses out by one or two points, doesn't get in. And then, as far as you know, basements are concerned, <laughs> um, you know, obviously, I think they're going to finish better than Chicago in Arizona, but that's pretty much where it ends up where they, you know, uh, you know, maybe I'd say, you know, three, four wins less than last year. But I think, you know, eventually they're just, you know, going to start to bottom out a little bit and, uh, you know, give some of the younger guys like Cole Perfetti a little bit more ice time. And you might see a guy like, God, who knows, you know, you might see Wheeler on the block, Shifley maybe on the block at some point. So we'll see. Who do you like better in goal? Hellebuck or Ottinger? right now right now oh gosh if, if i had to say right now i mean i'd take ottinger okay. um okay. but again that's if i had you know one series uh right now because you know given his playoff success yeah he just looks phenomenal but i think long term if i was building i mean again the age comparison right i'm gonna take ottinger but well, I think, sure yeah for uh, one season yeah but you know Hallibuck, i think is the better goaltender um he's proven it he's got the vesna he's got the hardware and i think you know, if he gets in a you know a situation where he gets good defensive structure and guys that can move the puck on the back end quickly out of the zone, I think he could you know have numbers you know much better than what Ottinger had in Dallas with under bonus. So okay, yeah, that that's kind of why I ask because Ottinger obviously thrived under Rick Bonus and the system that he had there, and uh, I wonder if uh, if. Maybe his numbers were inflated just a little bit because of their defensive structure and because of the looseness in Winnipeg, a 9-10 save percentage could easily turn into a 9-2 save percentage 
under a defensive coach. And then we really are in the conversation of a Vesna trophy again for Hellebuck. Yeah. Uh, which there hasn't been too many uh, two-time Vesna trophy winners here lately. So uh, can anyone <laughs> fight with Shesterkin right now and, and Vasilevsky? We'll see. Uh, okay, let's let's roll on to let, let's just let's go up to the top for a minute here. Uh, let's 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 go to Minnesota. We'll, we'll talk Minnesota. We'll get to the Chicago Blackhawks next. I don't want to talk about two teams that will likely be in the the basement of this division uh, right in a row. So let's talk Minnesota Wild. Uh, what do you think the Minnesota Wild have? Can can do to build upon what they have already accomplished uh, since Kirill Kaprizov got there. Like, how do they get to that next level? Well, I think that's you know again they're you know I, everybody knows the the cap situation with this team right for the next three seasons basically they got to deal with the Parise suitor buyouts. Um, so really, what they need to get to that next level is the young guys on those cheap contracts to take the next steps. And I'm talking. Matthew Boldy, right? I mean, he had a breakout season. Had a great uh, year, from, yeah. Yeah, for Minnesota. They need Marco Rossi to step up, right? The young draft pick at 21. He's coming in for his first full year. So they need him to have a really good season if they want to take that next step. And not only that, but they've got Sam Steele, who, you know, in Anaheim, again, this guy's only 24 years old. He was a young guy that there was a lot of hope, a lot of promise for being a, you know, a first-round draft pick, granted, number 30 overall in 2016, but – he was still a guy who was projected to be, you know, in the long-term future for the Ducks and was, you know, suddenly not qualified last year. Uh, you know, maybe not his best year, but, you know, those young guys, I think, you know, and then you can throw in Tyson Jost, too, because this is another young guy that they brought in this offseason. Um, those well, are the well, guys. Well, he was, he, was he was a trade, if you remember, right. for Nico yep, yep, Sturm yep. last year. Uh, right, really but, a salary dump, but, yeah, he was a trade. Right, and so these are the young guys that I think, you know, they need – to step up and take those next, you know, get to the next level. If this team as a whole is going to get to the next level. And I think that's, you know, obviously easy to say for any team, right? You always want your young guys to, to, to grow and, and get to that next level. But I think it's, it's more important for a team like Minnesota who's so cap strapped that they can't afford to really make too many moves. Right. I mean, really, if you look at this team as a whole, as far as, you know, contracts and things, their only move is to move out Matt Dumba. And do you want to, you know, sacrifice what he brings on the back end for this team just to go out and try to hope that you find a four because I mean listen if if they think they're going to go out and have like a Seth Jones Ryan Johansson situation on their hand just a one for one I don't think that's going to happen uh no not with him being a UFA and right and every team knows they're they're strapped against the cap so they're going to try to fleece Minnesota for this this guy if they you know, want to get Dumba off their hands well and they're going to have to re-sign Matthew Boldy at the end of this year and you know, based off of Boldy's last season, uh, putting up what thirty nine points in forty seven games, uh, you extrapolate that out, and he's he probably this year is, a uh, barring injury, probably a sixty point guy, and maybe puts in twenty five goals. He had fifteen last year, so you're probably yeah. looking for at least you know a twenty five, maybe a thirty goal season out of Matt Boldy. Uh, so. If that's the kind of season he puts up, and if he does more, uh, he's he's already in the conversation for making at least six uh, in in his next contract, if not more. And then you know suddenly you're, you know, where are you going to get the money to, to bring these guys in next year? They'll have fourteen million in projected space, but that's losing Dumba, losing Frederick Goudreau, who's been such an important part of that bottom six, and uh, this. 
this team is going to have to figure out how to do this and, and navigate this. And they really like, they went all in for last season and it did not work at all <laughs> in terms of a, a long playoff run. It just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it rarely ever does. Right. I mean, so many teams go all in every year and, you know, Dude, of course, how can, can I just uh, backtrack and just say how dumb was it of Kirill Kaprizov's agent to sign that four year, nine million bucks a year like nine million dollar cap hit for Kirill Kaprizov he he should be making like he could have just signed a a couple year deal and and be making 12 or 13 (laughs) in two years Uh, that deal is going to be is a sweetheart deal already at nine million bucks but maybe that's a testament to how good of a GM Bill Guerin is right because if you think about it Kirill Kaprizov is going to be 29 when his deal's up. And so, yeah, you give him an eight year deal at 37 years old. Uh, I might be a little hesitant to give him full eight, but you know, Hey, you might look at those, you know, again, when the cap goes up and where it's at in 26, 27, you might not even give a crap. So, um, right. you know, yeah, who knows how it's going to Within the next, for, what, four years, it'll be up over, up, they're estimating like $10 million. Yeah. But here's the other, here's the other crazy part, right? Kirill, the thrill is doing this without a legit number one center. Imagine if they had a guy or say, you know, in two or three years, Marco Rossi ends up being that legit number sure. one, you know, center. Now he's got a guy who can really dish him to puck and you might see, you know, Kirill the thrill with 120, 125 points a season. What kind of contract is he going to get then? I mean, it's just going to be gangbusters for him, but uh, gangbusters. Yeah. You could he, see uh, a $14 million contract at that point. Who knows? Yeah. I mean that, uh, that Matt Zuccarello deal, you know, it, I think a lot of us went, ooh, six million bucks for Matt Zuccarello. And then he only went up and put at 1.13 points a game, 79 points. Uh, Ryan Hartman has a career year, 34 goals. He's signed for still another two more years at 1.7 million. Yeah, what a steal. So, I mean, well, they have salary cap issues because of those two big deals that are signed. I mean, they have plenty of of good deals throughout the. uh, the rest of their, you know, their cap hits. Uh, now, as far as their, I, mean, I think there's no question this defense is still one of the better defenses in the division. I mean, they're stacked up front with Spurgeon, Brodeen, and Dumba, and uh, and you know, rounding out the rest of the defense core. Uh, Alex Goligoski still appears to have it at 37 years old. Uh, what do you think of the? I guess the the bottom of Minnesota's defensive core. Well, I mean, I will say you talked about those big three. I think outside of that, right, the the one guy that I look at is Jacob Middleton, right? He was brought in on a trade through San Jose. I think he is a defenseman's defensive type of guy, right? Um, he's not going to produce a ton of points. He's, he's strictly there to play defense and does it very well. So I think if he continues to, to play that kind of hockey, that grind out, defensive game that he brings i think he's going to fit in very well with this team and bring an element that i think uh they're going to value a lot and i think you know especially at gosh just a little over two million bucks for this guy uh they're getting a steal in my opinion i think he he plays very well in that top four and is going to give a guy like Goligoski the opportunity to play you know less minutes against the big lines he can play on that third pairing and then come in and be yeah, your second, second power, power play, play guy yeah, for sure and uh yeah that'll that'll pay dividends and you know you've got john merrill in here who I think is still a very serviceable 
you know, number five, number six defenseman. I mean, listen, he he's not going to, again, give you a ton of points, but he brings a reliable, steady game. And, uh, you know, I think that's exactly what Minnesota needs, especially at the cost savings that he brings at 1.2. So, um, you know, I think they're getting a deal there. And so to me, I have no worries about this defense. And, you know, worst case scenario, if they have to move Matt Dumba at some point this year to try to bring in, you know, a centerman or some offense or, you know, something to replace Kevin Fiala, um, I'm not worried if they have to go with the rest of this group. I think there's enough talent there. They'll be okay. And then, you know, of course, they've got Kalen Addison, who who I think could be a guy who's, you know, going to try to make this team. I'm not sure what they're thinking this year for him, if they're going to send him down. But, uh, you know, they've got some talent there. And so, yeah, had you know, a good. Again, I mean, had a had a offensive year for the Iowa Wild in the AHL, thirty four points in forty three games. So, uh, no slouch. It's tough for defensemen to put up big points in the AHL. So, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't be mad about having an offensively minded defenseman make your team, uh, right. given the rest of the the crew here. Um, I guess the 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 last question is, Mark Andre Fleury. Can he can he do it again? <laughs> can he is he going to have another productive season another above average above you know above that 910 save percentage in a, in a full year here with this team and and just keep on rolling because it i mean it all relies on him in my opinion because if he goes down Philip Gustafson as your backup there it, it'll be hard pressed to uh you know he not that he played poorly uh, in the AHL last year, but in the for the Ottawa Senators, who were terrible, um, he didn't look great, and uh, that's who he was flipped for, uh, Cam Talbot. That's who they got in that trade. So yeah. you're putting a lot of a stock into a 37 year old to uh, to basically be. You know, if if he goes down, you're done. So yeah. Well, I mean, so here's the thing, right? They really their their hands were kind of tied. I think they brought in Mark Andre, uh, you know, re-signed him, thinking that Talbot and Flurry were going to be the the combo, right? And that would have been great. I mean, that would have been a phenomenal combo. I would have been very happy with that. But obviously, Cam Talbot was not. He wanted to get moved. He wanted to be a number one and not have to worry about, you know, splitting, you know, forty and forty with with another goaltender, right? He, Which hey, I got to give him props. At thirty five years old, he goes. I want this. He gets traded. Now granted Anton Forsberg, uh he he's been he's been pretty good. He was good for Ottawa last year. Ottawa gave him that three year extension. Uh he had a nine seventeen save percentage for the Sens. He looked great. I don't think there's a guarantee that Cam Talbot doesn't share the net with with Forsberg. <laughs> but, yeah, I think there's less of a threat, right? But you're certainly you've got a chance. I don't think you have much of a chance. Like you saw, he played probably better than Fleury did down the stretch too, and they still said, "No, we're going with Fleury in the playoffs." And you know, and it didn't work out for them. And maybe they should have stuck with Talbot. Right. I think Ottawa's got a, a legit chance to make some noise in the Atlantic. Now, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. So that, but he's going to get he's going to get a chance to uh, to to be the number one there for sure. But he'll be a UFA at the end of the year and then he can go wherever he wants. So it's just, you know, I guess you're, you're hedging your bet because the Ottawa senators probably don't make the playoffs, but the Minnesota wild almost certainly make the playoffs. And that's the, the trade off, I guess. And I guess it, it's not as if Ottawa can't trade Talbot at the deadline to say the Colorado avalanche. 
Ooh. If something uh, is awry, you know, if they're they're far enough out of the playoffs, not a bad potential position to be in. Uh, if, yeah, I, I know they they've got Georgiev, but we'll, yeah, we'll who's to say his numbers won't be you know right below average? But I mean, this yeah, that team's got enough scoring to keep them in games, anyways. If they're getting subpar goaltending, so yeah, the question is: Is Andre Fleury an upgrade over? Cam Talbot, and I, I, I don't think it moves the needle in either direction, in my opinion, but uh, obviously the downgrade is now your backup situation is not as good, right? When you had Talbot, Flurry, now you've got Gustafson and Flurry. So um, that's a downgrade, in my opinion. And, you know, unfortunately, Talbot won it out. So uh, yeah, you yeah. got to make do with what you got. And so, um, you know, who knows? Maybe we see, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, end of the season, Ottawa's out of it and Minnesota says, hey, we'd like to, uh, we'd like to, Get Talbot back here, please. <laughs> right, right. Can you can you send him back? We just need yeah. him for a few. Right. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, you got to think this is. I'll go floor ceiling. Uh, my my floor. I got I got to think this team's a playoff team because of Mark Andre Fleury, Kirill Kaprizov, the the depth that they have at defense and the guys that they can just put out there forever. Uh, and their depth throughout their forward group, like guys in their bottom six putting up 40 points. Uh, it, they, they are so deep. They also punish other teams. They're not a fun team to play against. I do think they miss Kevin Fiala. I don't think that they, they finish with 113 points. Uh, but I, I think that this team is a playoff team. Uh, so my, my floor is like, they're a wild card. I could see them falling a little bit and, and being a wild card. Uh, but my my ceiling for them is likely right around where they were, somewhere in the 50-win category, and, uh, and, and that puts them, you know, 2-3 in this division. And... Uh, they 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 keep on rolling, you know. As as long as they they're getting above average goaltending because of that defense and Kirill Kaprizov, they are going to roll. So uh, it's just a matter of winning around, you know. Come playoff time, can they sneak past the St. Louis or Colorado or Nashville, whoever they have to end up playing? Okay, I like it. Yeah. Um, so as far as my basement, my my floor is concerned. I think, yeah, I'm with you. I think they're still playoff teams. So I would imagine a wild card spot is in mind because, you know, you got to ask yourself, you know, Dallas, Nashville, St. Louis, are they better than Minnesota? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, but, you know, as far as the ceiling is concerned, I think this team has a good opportunity. Yes, you're not going to replace 85 points from Kevin Fiala, but I think there's a good opportunity for a lot of these younger guys like Marco Rossi, Sam Steele, uh, Matt Boldy to, to improve and go to those next levels. Um, so for me, I think they're going to be right up there close to Colorado at the end of the season um, towards the top of the division because I really like the way they play. They can play a fast, speedy game. They can play a grind-out game. Um, and, you know, I think Marc-Andre Fleury is going to play with a little chip on his shoulder this year, you know, after Talbot sort of threw him some shade and left. So, yeah, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll put them in probably I'll, – I'll give them a second round. I think they're a okay, second-round okay. team. I think they'll – yeah, they'll improve. They'll yeah, win around. Yeah, I and, guess I didn't say how far I thought they could go. I I do think that they they could win around too. I, I agree. Yeah. I think the other teams around them, uh, in this division, have not. Well, they have not gotten worse. Some of them, you're like, well, they, they're pretty much the same, and that's fair. But why wouldn't you bring back that same team? Uh, 
So I, I, I think they certainly could win around. I think, you know, you go back to it, you play that series with St. Louis all over again, and, and Minnesota probably wins half the time, and St. Louis wins the other half the time. They were that, that close. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very, very tight division. Um, okay, let's, let's head back down into the cellar and, uh, <laughs> and go visit the Chicago Blackhawks. We're, we won't spend too much time uh, blasting the Blackhawks. We know what they're trying to do here. We know that they're they are trying to lose on purpose. Uh, you know, when when you go out and you're you're trying to put Mackenzie Ent- Entwistle into your top nine, uh, you know that you're you're in an interesting position. A guy with five goals in fifty five games there last season for the Blackhawks. Uh, this is not a good team, but they do have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves at the top. And, uh, and, and frankly, Athanasiu, Max Domi, uh, you, I always, I always butcher his name. Yugi Hara, right? That mm, how you say yep, it? Yep. Yep. That is. He's a UFA. Uh, Jack Johnson's a UFA. I know, you know, analytics guys will, uh, cringe at the idea of him being traded to their, a team that they like to watch, but Jack Johnson will probably get dealt at the deadline. Uh, they, they have a lot of moves that they can do. And I think that's what is most interesting about this team. And it's going to be at the very top. Where does Patrick King go? Because wherever he goes, you, you know, you automatically probably put yourself above another team that you're close with. And that's huge come playoff time. So, yeah. so my question about the Blackhawks is when and where does Patrick Kane get dealt? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, unfortunately, right, even for Jonathan Taves and Patty Kane's, both these guys, because of the size of their contract, and typically we see a lot of teams that, um, I mean, li- listen, it's there's a lot of, com- you know, teams that are going to be competitive, that are going to be at the tops of their divisions, but they're just pressed up against the caps, right? Um, really the only teams that I think, you know, outside of Colorado – you might look at, you know, maybe a team like the New York Rangers, um, a team like, you know, Nashville that has a little bit of space uh, that might be able to make the moves. But most of your bottom teams that have the space to fit in a whole 10 million bucks, right, like Buffalo, Arizona, Anaheim, aren't really going to be shopping for a guy like Patty Kane, right? They don't expect to be competitive or, you know, they might, you know, Anaheim might think they're in the hunt, Buffalo might think they're in the hunt, but I think, you know, come end of the year, they're going to be out of it. So um, most teams are going to wait pretty dang close to the deadline um you know maybe a few weeks before like we typically see one big move but they got to bank their salary cap money over exactly over time yeah yep and you might see a third team get squeezed in there right to try to uh to try to alleviate and take you know a quarter of that cap hit because how many teams um, can you trade to you know you go from 10 i don't know if there's a 5.25 and you get down to like 2.6 and then 1.3 and then uh and then what? Six point six hundred and fifty k. Can you do that? Trade them with four teams. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. I, so, I mean, listen. If I had to put my money on it right now, I think the Rangers are the front runner for Patty Kane, only because I want to see. You know, they have a little bit of space now, but come playoff time, you know, when we get towards the deadline, they'll be they'll need another guy. And I think, um, you know, I'm just dying to see a Panarin Kane reunion. I don't care who's playing center. Right. That, so I mean, that's why that's why they're the favorites right now, though. It's, it's uh-huh. mostly just because of of that. Ultimately, though, it is going to come down to what another team can give the Blackhawks. You know, uh, do the do the Rangers well, want to? It doesn't even matter because Patty Kane has a no movement clause. He controls his fate. 
He says where he wants to go, and the Rangers' hand or Chicago's hands are pretty much tied, right? They yes, can't go to if, the highest bidder. It's true. If he says I'll only get traded to the Rangers, well, yes, then you're right. Then then they don't have any any choice. But if he says, you know, okay, uh, well, what happens if the Colorado Avalanche come calling too? You know, that, are you going to say no to being a part of the like a part of that run? You know, and playing with those guys and. What happens if uh, the Edmonton Oilers come calling? Or you know, I don't know. There, there's sure. all sorts yeah. of possibilities. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they, uh, you know, by the end of all this, could they? Have, I mean, they're right now they're six million bucks over the cap. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I imagine it's going to be a situation uh, where it's going to be, you know, Chicago's going to give permission to Patty Kane's agent to go talk to teams and find a trade, and they're yeah. going to basically figure out what each team envisions him to be, where they think he's going to play, et cetera, et cetera. And then he's going to decide like, hey, you know, this is where I think is best suited for me or where I have the best chance to win another cup. Yeah, hey, I want to go play alongside Barkov and Kachuk. Drop right. me on the right side of those. Not too bad. He's <laughs> down there. Uh, you know, you can never count out the Boston Bruins when it comes to big moves at the deadline either. They've, they've done it multiple times. They've gone out. They get the best defenseman available last year in Hampus Lindholm. They... They, they've brought in Taylor Hall. You know, they they go out and get Charlie Coyle. They're they're always in on something at the deadline. So, yeah. uh, and with Hall and McAvoy being out for a while, you know, on IR, they're going to free up sure. a little bit of space there. So they'll they'll probably have some money to play with for yeah. sure. Now, and I mean the Pittsburgh. What's the Penguins come calling? Yo, bro. Come <laughs> I don't know play. how they fit that in there. Bro, to be quite come honest, play but. with us. Cut, let's, but wouldn't that let's be something? Crosby and Kaner. No, all, all, you, all you do is you just. Hey, all right, Jason Zucker, bye-bye. And in comes Patty Kane. That's exactly the the money you need is a Jason Zucker and a Patrick Kane swap in terms of salary. And you're right there. Okay. You're okay. good to go. I I think that would be unbelievable if you had Crosby and Kane together. Oh, so that fun. would be fun to watch. Um I'm excited for that. That's like that's probably the thing I'm most excited for the for the Chicago Blackhawks is is when <laughs> when and where is Patrick Kane going to go because you are automatically going to make whatever team gets Patrick Kane must watch TV. Um and then to a lesser extent but also like not knocking Jonathan Taves, but I am curious as to where Taves ends up as well because he's still you know, a serviceable forward, but I just, it's, it's tougher to look at him and go, all right, you had 37 points last year. <laughs> like we're, we don't want you at five. We don't even barely want you at two and a half, you know? So it just, it's going to be probably a little harder to get Jonathan Taves, uh, going somewhere. I could yeah. see a situation where they just can't really move him. That very well could happen, right? And I think he's more likely to uh, be a, a contender for like a, a three-team swap, right, yeah. where some other team helps out with the cap. Because, listen, I mean, any team would be would die to have him be their third-line center, right? I mean, he would be ideal as far That's as true. You, you have an ideal face-off guy. Yeah. You have a guy who can play the penalty kill very well, and he can contribute on your second power play unit. I mean, Colorado, right? We talk about them missing a center. He could very well be a guy that slides in come playoff time and could really contribute uh, to this team. Granted, I don't think he's got the speed that Colorado's looking for, but uh, you never know. That's true. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there, I mean, there, there's moves to be made. Um, you could, you could fit them under. You know, all the Leafs have to do is get rid of Justin Hall, and uh, and Ooh. they've got the room for Jonathan Taves as a third line center. You know, I don't, I don't know. 
That center depth would be outrageous. <laughs> Tavares and, and Taves and Matthews. Uh, and Kemp on your fourth right, line. Like, right, Yeah, stop right. it. That guy's, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's where the Leafs would, would spend their uh, their time. Well, I, I mean, at that point, just go get Patty Kane. Convince yeah, him to yeah. come play with Matthews. <laughs> like, that would be probably the greatest American trio uh, duo in the history of the game. Can, oh, you, can you think of two American-born players playing on the same line together that are would be more dynamic and better better offensive weapons than those two together. That's a good point. Yeah. Let me know if you think of anything. And and out there if you know you can hit us at, at OT Hockey Talk on Twitter uh, and you can let us know if you you have a a past American duo that has I was trying to think like who is my I guess like Mike Madano and Brett Hall. That's probably uh probably the best comparable I can think of. Mm. Well, I I don't remember if they played together that much on the power play. They did. I I feel like Brett Hull. Did he play with Joe Newendike more? I don't remember. I'll have to look that up. That was that was a long time ago. Nineteen ninety nine. Um, I was thirteen. Um, okay. Well, let's. Uh, I mean, obviously, we know the Blackhawks. Their basement is uh, last place. Their ceiling is mm, second last place. Something like that. Third last place. Yep, I'd have we to there? agree. No debate. Okay. All right. Let's 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 move on. Good luck, Chicago Blackhawks. Hopefully you give many lesser players a career year and people get paid because of it. That's I guess that's the best thing that could happen. And, you know, you get Connor Bedard. Uh, there you go. I definitely would rather Chicago get Connor Bedard than Arizona. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't give a, I don't care if I don't want the best player you know, a, a generational talent to go to Arizona. No, Arizona doesn't Sorry. care because Matthews is going to resign there after his contract. No, so. no. <laughs> Matthews will go there when he's like 38 and he's like, I always wanted to don the Coyotes sweater. And now that I've won four cups with the Leafs, I can leave with my head held high. You would love that. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be fine with it. Uh, okay, let's go. Uh, last team, St. Louis Blues. Here we go. Uh, I want to start this conversation out by talking about the Blues ceiling. Let's let's start where we generally finish. Oh. Uh, what's your ceiling for the St. Louis Blues? Oh, ceiling, ceiling, ceiling. I think this team is going to regress a little bit, in my opinion. Um, and I say that because they were one of the worst five-on-five teams in the NHL last year. Their defense was not the greatest five on five. Um, so when you look at what they had in net, I mean, listen, Billy Huso was a guy that was, was killing it as far as, you know, um, 13.5 goals saved above the average, uh, Jordan Bingington negative 8.2. Um, does he get any better? I don't think so. I think Mm. Bennington is basically what he is at this point, you know, he is what he is. Um, you know, he's going to be a roughly 905, 910 goaltender, I think. Um, you know, which 910 is not bad, but, you know, now he's going to be expected to play a lot more. If they got the Bennington close to the playoff goaltender they got, then, yeah, they'll be fine. But I don't think they're going to get that 949 save percentage goalie that was there in the playoffs. So uh, Thomas Grice is a huge waste of space, in my opinion. He's a few years removed from being anything relevant in this league. And, uh, you know, there's a reason Detroit cast him aside. Um, basically, if you think about it, basically Detroit and St. Louis just swapped goaltenders, Thomas Grice for Billy Huso. So uh, if there's not another reason for St. Louis to hate Detroit, it's this. But 
to me, I think because of the regression, the ceiling for this team is probably the four spot in this division. Hmm. I think a team like Nashville, Dallas are going to be chomping at the bit to hop them in the standings, and I think one of them will. Okay. Okay. Uh, Now, see, for myself, I look at this defense, and I I think that the defense underperformed. I think Justin Falk, Tori Krug, Colton Pareko, uh, I think three of them do have some – there's something there, especially offensively with uh, Falk and Krug. Uh, And I look at Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, and I think we've just seen the – we've seen the cusp. And I I think there's more coming. And – you know, if you can get one more great year out of Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko, you know, you've you've got kind of what appears to me to be, you know, I, it's funny because it feels like Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko have been playing forever. They're only 30 and 31 years old. Uh, they're, they're not that old. But certainly, like, once you hit 30, you know, there tends to be a little bit of a, a regression uh, in terms of offense. I think we've seen that a little bit with Ryan O'Reilly. Um, Arisenko just went and had one of the best years of his career last year. But uh, if if it seems to me to be this year of like, this might be our last shot with this group. Because is Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko, are they both coming back? I doubt it. Probably just one of them. Probably just... Don't have the money for it. Probably just Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, Tarasenko won it out just 18 months ago. And uh, my guess is when push comes to shove, he, he'll find a new home. But... I don't think he's going anywhere this year. And I think that they'll see this as like, this is my last chance to win in St. Louis. There's going to be a big focus. You get those two guys who are looking for a big contract out of this. I I think that this team could surprise people. I know that five on five, they were not great last year. Uh, their power play was second best in the league. Second only to the Leafs uh, who had almost a historic power play. Uh, they they got below average goaltending for most of the year, and you know it was they were largely carried by their special teams, power play, and and penalty kill. And I don't think either of those two are going to uh, really take a dip. They're going to continue doing what they do on the power play. Yes, they lost David Perron. That could certainly uh, have a have an impact there. But I think that with Thomas and Cairo taking over. Uh, I think they'll more than make up for David Perron. And I think that this team, other than Colorado, could again, they could be the two seed in this division, assuming that Jordan Bennington plays uh, the way that he played, you know, is is average at 9-10. That's what you need. You can't have 895 Jordan Bennington, or what it was 901 last year. Um, we can't have that. No, he's not going to be nine forty nine like he was in the playoffs, but just a nine nine ten. And uh, I think that they're they're probably in that two three spot again, and could very well win a round. And then you know you got to play Colorado, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure anyone in this division can beat Colorado. Mm. Okay, yeah. Um, so let me ask you this then: uh, you know, between Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly. Um, because they obviously, I don't think there's any way they have the money to sign both of these guys. But then again, I said, you know, there's no way they can sign Malkin and Latang, and Pittsburgh went out and proved me wrong. Um, but between these they two They were guys, willing to take much less. Right, absolutely. Yeah, and I don't think that's the case with a guy like Tarasenko or even Ryan O'Reilly. But um, between these two guys, if you have to re-sign one, who are you letting walk and who are you keeping? 
yeah, that's I mean, Ryan O'Reilly's your captain. So I I think based on that, um, and I think he'll be much cheaper. I, I think he'll sign a deal less than his current one at seven and a half. You know, I think he signs for six or maybe even maybe even less. Uh if if assuming he kind of has this like, well, I've already gotten paid, like I'll take a little bit less to be able to to squeeze everyone in here and, and to keep us competitive. Uh, that would be the case. Now, Tarasenko has been a blue his whole life. And I think it'd be quite the story if if after all this, wanting a trade, wanting out, they left him open at the freaking expansion draft. Did they? They did, right? Yep. Yeah, and, they, and he doesn't go. Uh, how stupid are you in Seattle? You didn't take Tarasenko. You could have had an 80-point player for free. And you instead... Uh, they took Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn, uh, who not a bad player, but he's not Tarasenko. Um, anyways, I, I man, it's tough to to think of Tarasenko in another jersey, isn't it? He's been yeah. in St. Louis for ten years, uh, but I, I think that it's probably more likely they bring back Ryan O'Reilly. Um, I don't know if Tarasenko wants to come back, you know, even after all this, if he goes, you know, I, I wanted to be traded and like, it's been a good run. It's been fun. We've been winning, but I don't actually want to live in St. Louis anymore. And, and I think maybe that was some of the, the reason, like just wanted to live somewhere else, be somewhere else. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm saying Ryan O'Reilly because I think he'll be cheaper and he's already come out and said like, I'm not even worried about an extension. Like it'll be fine. So I, I think he's probably got some nod from management that like, yeah, we want to keep you. Like, don't worry about, no, you know, we'll figure this out. And maybe they just want to see how, maybe he wants to see how he's going to play this year. You know, he want, if he can cash in here and make a little bit more and just re-up at seven and a half, I think St. Louis would, would do it again for, you know, three or four years. Okay. Yeah. Um Boy, yeah, I think term's going to be the the big the big sure. factor when it comes to both these guys, right? Because, yeah. yeah, obviously you don't want to give Ryan O'Reilly eight years to bring him at thirty nine. Not gonna... not with the kind of 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 traveling that his body's been through. Right. He's been through a lot. But uh, what I can see is them giving him a year or two more, similar to Latang and Malkin, to bring his cap fit down to make that work for him. Sure, uh, yeah. that wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, I. I mean, me personally, I'd rather hold on to Tarasenko. I mean, you have Braden Shen, you have you know Robert Thomas at center, so you got a good one-two punch, um, you know. But again, Ryan O'Reilly's your captain; he brings a lot of other intangibles. Whereas Tarasenko, you've kind of had a little bit of drama. He's you know, but you know, and he's his game's very one-dimensional, right? He's just going to go out there and score, uh, and you know what you're getting with him, right? He's going to be a quality guy, but. Uh, but I don't know if they can afford to, to keep him and try to bring Ryan O'Reilly back into the fold. So we'll see. Um, yeah, okay, but okay. for me. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, please. I was just going to ask, between Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, because they, you know, they've obviously both signed deals right around the same time, uh, who do you think has a better year? Because both these guys, they've both been with the Blues for four years. Now that first year you know, was uh, a little little fewer games for Cairo, only 16. Uh but both these guys have been with the Blues for four seasons. And here we are, their fifth NHL season. They both put up 75 for Kairou, 77 for Thomas. Who has a better season? And look, what 
what are you expecting? Do, do we see last season as kind of like, all oh, right, cool, we saw the ceiling for both these guys, or do we think there's more? Or you know, what what, what do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I think both these guys are pretty close to their ceiling. Um, you know, point per game is not bad at all. So no, no, it's are, nothing to balk at. Yeah. No. <laughs> so 80-point players, I, I don't hate that at all, but I, I will say the one caveat to all this is I do think a guy like Jordan Cairo in the long term is going to have more opportunity to be successful because once a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko is gone, right, who's going to be that guy that steps up and takes his spot, right? Those minutes, who's going to fill in that scoring, right? I think Cairo's got an opportunity there to maybe take more of an opportunity to, you know, see more ice time as far as power play, uh, stuff like that. And, and be, given too, with, the, be given the green light to shoot. Right, shoot exactly. Yeah. And, and especially, too, with a guy like, you know, David Perangon, who I think is going to be very, very missed, um, you know, on that power play, led the team with 26 power play points. So, um, you know, a guy like, you know, Jordan Cairo is going to be looked at to, basically try to contribute a little bit more right um you know so i, yeah, I think I, he has more of an opportunity I, I feel like david perron and the red wings power play is a a like a low-key little dark horse out there yes he because vegas's power play was fantastic and he left and it it lost a step uh you had you know where, where was vegas's power play last year now i know they had a lot of injuries uh but they were they were twenty fifth, eighteen percent last year right. without Perron, uh, and and with Perron a couple years ago they were they were very good. Uh, he goes to Detroit. They really struggled on the power play last year, twenty sixth at sixteen percent. And you know you wonder can he go in there and, and kind of shake things up? They've got a lot of new pieces, so I imagine that their power play might take a little time to kind of all click together, but. Uh, it'll be fun to fun to see if he if he truly is the power play whisperer that everybody says that he is. Then uh, Detroit top ten power play in the league with David Perron. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? I mean, look if if you look at um, you know David Perron when he was Vegas. Let's let's see seventeen eighteen. I got I got to look at this stat now because it's just gonna it's gonna drive me nuts, right? Um, let's go all the way back seventeen eighteen here. Vegas's power play that year was drumroll please sitting at twenty one percent. Yeah. Uh, pretty great so yeah dropped quite a bit when he left but uh yeah we'll see hopefully uh i mean as a detroit fan that would be nice um but yeah i i think you know as far as st louis is concerned they're gonna miss him a little bit and then um you know again we we you mentioned falk krug perink you know perenko i think these guys are gonna be 30 40 point guys again they're gonna give you you know consistent production you're you know you're, you're going to get exactly the same thing out of them again this year, I think, uh, you know, which is, is all good, right? Um, the question mark for me is Nick Letty, right? You, you signed him after, you know, trading for him at the deadline. You bring him in, you give him four times four, which is a little questionable in my mind. A big deal um, for Nick Letty, yeah. Right. Um, I mean, he gave you eight points in 20 games. You know, playoff time, he was pretty good, five points. That's a four. Games. I mean, it's almost a 40-point, you know, 35, 40-point yeah. guy, yeah. Not the, not the worst, but uh, you know what what David Perron are you, or Nick Letty are you going to get right? So, um, you know, I mean, obviously Marco Scandella is there. I think he's he's a candidate to to maybe get moved. You still got Robert Bortuzzo there. Um, you know, they don't really have anybody that I I can see coming in from you know from the little leagues. Uh, the little you know, leagues, <laughs> yeah, to come up and you know help out. So really, they got to rely on on their veteran guys to get it done. All these guys are between twenty nine and thirty one. So 
Yeah. Um, they should be right in their prime years, their best years, you would think. I, I think what, what you're seeing here is the Central Division has been so good for so long. You know, they've always had some of the great teams in this, this conference and in the league and very consistent. Like, I know Colorado was last place in, what, 15, 16 or whatever, but uh, Colorado's been great since then. Minnesota just makes the playoffs every year and, you know, is always a threat to win a round or two. Same with St. Louis. Dallas, obviously, has been a fantastic team over the, the last six, seven years. And Nashville's been there, too, uh, despite having their one one down year and, and last year coming out surprising everybody. And, and they don't they look like a, a, a force at this point, especially as, I mean, Roman, Nashville wins 4-1 and, and uh, everyone had a point except Roman Yossi. So right. uh, Roman Yossi, I, they set a stat in the game. He was the first defenseman to have over 90 points since uh, Ray Bork in 1993. Yeah, which I still don't know how he didn't win the and doesn't the win Norris, the, the Norris. Yeah, yeah um, robbed. What I think we're seeing as a whole in this division is that this division is getting is maybe the only division that actually, when you pull back, is is worse. That like, this division is getting worse. Uh, it's aging up, and that there's there's a little bit here that. That says that uh, the Pacific. Well, they're they're the ones on the rise. You know, it's always it's tough when you're defending your your crowns here. You know, but uh, the Pacific seems to be on the rise. Got a lot of up and coming teams, and the Central has been this division of these several powerhouse teams duking it out, and we're starting to see cracks in the armor there. That you know, there's there's some some holes now in some of these teams. So uh, I. I, and that's how I feel about St. Louis. Like St. Louis is still going to be really good, but there's some holes there, and okay. that they've they're starting to be exposed. And now I think come playoff team, come playoff time, this isn't a team I want to play because <laughs> I think that they 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 could beat anyone. I mean they they beat Colorado two seasons ago, and Colorado wasn't that different from the Colorado that that they were last year when they won the cup. So there certainly is uh, lots to behold with this blues team they're they're a very good team they they very well could be the team if a a lot has to go right but it's not crazy to say they could be the team that represents the west in the finals uh i don't think that they will but i they're good enough to to win two rounds here to me okay so where's the 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 floor for this team then uh i mean i don't i don't think that the blues are missing the playoffs uh i I just there hasn't been enough movement in this division to where I you know there's no you look at the Atlantic and you go well Ottawa got better Detroit got better Buffalo got better everyone's getting better uh, the in the in the Central Arizona got worse somehow my God Chicago got worse <laughs> Winnipeg probably got worse uh, Nashville I, I'd say Nashville probably got better Nino Niederreiter scored a beauty of a goal today and and uh, he's going to be a a nice addition to that offense actually give Nashville some offense. Uh, like, did the Dallas Stars get better? I don't think so. They lost John Klingberg, and I know they brought in Mason Marchment, but uh, I I don't think that Dallas is necessarily better. They they just have so many. They're so handcuffed with those that Ben and Sagan contracts. Uh, I don't think St. Louis got better. I don't think Minnesota got better. So I and I don't think Colorado got better. I don't think they really got worse, but I don't think they got better. So I, I there's just probably not going to be a whole lot of movement in this division. Uh, 
so when I look at St. Louis, I, I see a team that can still be one of the top teams in this division. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, though, honestly, my, my floor for this team is missing the playoffs, right? Just being a couple points out, if I'm being honest. Um, I appreciate yes. your honesty. Yeah, no, absolutely. We value That's that what the viewers want. overtime <laughs> hockey talk. Yeah, the listeners want honestly, honesty. So, you know, when, when I look at this division, right, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't think, you know, teams in this division got – you know, drastically better where they're, they're serious threats to the St. Louis team. But on the flip side of that, you know, there's always going to be a team every single year that just sort of bottoms out, uh, kind of surprises people, right? I mean, sure. like last year, sure. Chicago, I expected them to contend for a playoff spot and they completely bottomed out, right? Um, same with, you know, Montreal. But, but Chicago the- on paper got better. Right, like they sure. got Seth Jones, and like there was, there yes, was a lot paper. of moves that they had made, and you're like, oh, this team's going to be better. Whereas St. Louis didn't really do a whole lot to get. No, no, yeah. but so the, the the big thing for me though is is I just think the goaltending is too much of a question mark for me. If I had to, you know, look at goaltending tandems throughout the entire league, I would probably put them in the bottom five, six of the of this league with with that pairing. And, you know, for a team that played so poorly five-on-five, five, didn't really make any adjustments coaching-wise, um, that, that's a problem for me. And I, I think, you know, again, depending on how the season starts off, if they're, if they're playing horrible to start the year, I think management is, you know, might look at possibly moving, uh, you know, a Tarasenko at some point to try to shake things up, right? If, it, if the rails are, you know, coming off, if the team's not really playing well, right? That's, that's really the only piece you have to make a drastic move, you know, mid season, right? Maybe Ivan Barbashev, you could, you could move him at some point, you know, and try to try to bring in another piece up front if you wanted to. But, um, you know, really, if you, if you want to bring something in to shake things up, you know, moving a Tarasenko out for, you know, maybe another, another piece or young player, somebody to come in and compete for ice time would be the way to do it. Um, but ultimately I think it's, it's all going to go back on goaltending. And to me, this, you know, goaltending is not that reliable and I don't trust it. And so, that being said, I think there's a real possibility they could miss the playoffs by a point or two. Okay. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was just thinking about uh, the uh, the coaching staff in St. Louis, and you know who they brought in as an assistant coach this year? Um, Is Craig McTavish. That's right, they did. Yeah. You're right. GM, former GM of the uh, Edmonton Oilers. So it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see uh, what his role is for for this team because you know you you had Steve Ott and Larry Robinson obviously Larry Robinson gets to do whatever he wants uh, <laughs> yeah and, and I like Steve Ott he's, he's and a Steve Ott with the penalty but... like their special teams were fantastic so Craig McTavish comes in and uh, you know you you hope that he can be I guess a, a coach to those those younger defensemen too as as he was a defenseman in the NHL and. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what he what he does because he has been the last time he was a head coach was two thousand nine, so it's it's been a minute. He's been a senior vice president, a GM, and uh, so he, he's moved around. So it'll, it'll just be interesting to uh, to see where he goes. It actually his first gig in hockey since twenty nineteen. So ah yes, well, and here's the other thing too. The right I forgot to even mention. You know, last year we had five teams in the Central and three in the Pacific. And with Vegas, Vancouver all getting better, you know, all these teams in the Pacific moving up, you know, it's, I, I think it's, we're probably going to see a four and four. So 100%. Yep. 100%. If uh, anybody's out, you know, really, if I had to pick somebody, you know, St. Louis could be a prime candidate for that, if not maybe Dallas, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. 
So we'll see. Okay. Love it. All right. Well, there is the first part of the Central Division preview. Stay tuned for uh, part two. And uh, and then we'll be on to the Atlantic. And who knows? We might be into the season by the time we get to the Atlantic, but that's fine. We don't care. Um, we'll still preview the division. And uh, enjoy you know, t- what's tomorrow, another game between the San Jose Sharks and the Nashville Predators, that bitter rivalry uh, between those two teams. I will say one one last comment. When Tom, Tomas Hurdle scored to tie at 1-1, uh, he's a Prague native. The crowd went insane. It was very fun to see, and so did Hurdle. Hurdle knew. He knew the significance of the goal, and uh, and it was fun. So I, I I do like the NHL going and playing where some of these guys grew up and, and people watched them play junior hockey and uh, and in, into the like the professional leagues that are over there, but... Um, I I enjoyed seeing that. Oh, Justin, any last thoughts? Uh, no, just looking forward to the season getting going. I, I've got tickets to go to the home opener for Detroit, so Ooh. Should, be, should be good fun. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, no, my uh, my, <laughs> just my kidding, nephew just is kidding. playing between the periods with his. Oh, that's TV right. Team, yeah, so. that's so cool. That'll yeah. be so fun. That's awesome. Well, uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening to our to our listeners. Uh, thanks, thanks, Justin. Thanks for listening to me. Uh, hey, you're I know welcome. it's I know it's hard. <laughs> And uh, we will talk to you very soon. Follow us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Have a great rest of your day.